my apologies if my voice is a little shot today. I was singing uh, on the car ride home uh, because it's, it's uh, by all accounts, a good week. Hello, I'm Stephen Perkins. Welcome to the Stephen Perkins program here on the Outside Podcast Network. Um, uh, if you're listening for the first time, then what a wonderful week to be listening because we just finished, and I say we just finished, it was about two weeks ago uh, was the last edition of our summer series on this show, uh, which is kind of a new thing that we started. Obviously, this has actually been the, the first summer that we've had the show on Outset. Um, but we did the summer series called Stephen and Company, where I interviewed um, some of my really good friends, uh, incredible people. They gave incredible uh, perspectives, and I found out that my go-to adjective is incredible. I kid you not. I, I, I think I used it in every single person's intro whenever I record this, the, the intros for these for these interviews. As I, as I found myself saying, oh, oh, the, my guest this week is an incredible person and incre- blah, blah, you know, and, and it's not that I didn't mean it. I certainly meant it. Everyone I interviewed was uh, was incredible. Um, but I found out that I'm kind of like Donald Trump and and I stick with certain adjectives that are easy for me, I guess, to to uh, to pull out of my boca, uh, my mouth, um, you know, because Donald Trump always says, oh, we're go- oh, my companies are really, really great. I'm really, really, re-, you know, I think really is his is his go to adjective. Um, anyway, that's a long winded way to say welcome to this week's edition of the Stephen Perkins program. Um, we are no longer doing interviews. I mean, not, you know, we're, it's not like we're never going to do an interview again, but we are not doing an interview this week. It's just going to be me and you and um, sounds nice, doesn't it? Please don't be too freaked out. Um, so so what we're doing this week is I want to talk to you a little bit. Another reason why it's, uh, uh, I, I think I was getting to this, but um, the reason why it's a good week to begin listening is because we just began we just began a new um, initiative on Outset, network-wide, that I think is is really incredible. Uh, there goes the word again. I, I can't stop. I can't stop using the word incredible. I think it's really great. Uh, I think it's really um, um, spectacular. If we want to get some other other ad, ad, I can't talk tonight. If we want to get some other adjectives in it. Um, then that's what that is. So this week, starting Monday, we launched a new initiative called the Speak Out Campaign. And you may have seen us posting about it on, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and Tumblr. I, yeah, I mean, we have stuff about it on Tumblr now. And, and by the way, we have a Tumblr. Um, uh, so go follow us on, on all of those social media spaces. But this new campaign is really exciting because for us, it's a way uh, to not only share with you who we are, our, our team at Outset, our, our team of contributors and staff members and, and columnists and podcasters. It's not only a way for us to share with you who we are, but it's a way that we are hoping we can learn uh, who you are. And the way that we're doing let me just explain the premise of the campaign. So we are supposed to be the most vocal generation millennials generation whatever letter you want to assign to it whatever you want to call us young young people young whippersnappers we are uh, a vocal 
generation, we uh, do not fear about letting our opinions heard. That's why we have Twitter accounts, and that's why some of you, and I'm, I'll call you out, some of you use your Twitter uh, to, to announce to the world all your woes. And as, as much as, you know, your grandmother may uh, be concerned, I don't personally care about your personal issues happening on your social media. That's something that should say between you and your therapist. But what I'm saying is that we are a vocal generation. We're not afraid to speak out yet as young conservatives, which is the um, the uh, the niche that I and and probably many of you, if you're listening to the show, unless you've, unless you've somehow stumbled upon the wrong show, um, we are not really liberal friendly here. Um, but you being a part of young conservatives, I feel like sometimes, sometimes we feel as if, uh, well, we feel as if it is not. Um, as if it's not popular, our opinions, right? As young conservatives, I mean, while our friends are talking about, oh yeah, just let everyone have an abortion. Who cares if a baby dies? We're the ones over here saying, wait a second, that's a life. And people are like, oh, crazy conservative. Yeah, crazy, protection of life. Oh, crazy idea. So what we, uh, the, the premise of the Speak Out campaign, and I apologize, I, I'm off script, I'm off script this week, and I feel like it's my first week back not doing an interview. I just want to be, I want to be hashtag real with you. Um, what we are doing with the Speak Out campaign is, is we want to know what you are not afraid to speak out about. Uh, and, and, and we have had incredible, there's that word again, I swear, we have had spectacular um, uh, 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 submissions from our contributors and we're starting to get some from our community as people are starting to see us post more and more. I want to share with you some of the ones that we've been posting um, in the past couple of days. Um, the latest from our, our, new, our newest columnist, Bethany uh, Bora, uh, she says, I speak out against the notion that being a woman makes me a perpetual victim. And then Thomas Connerty, one of our uh, other great uh, contributor says, I speak out against the deprivation of natural liberties by the unnatural and ever expansive institution of government. Danielle Butcher says, I speak out about millennial involvement in politics. Benjamin Green, a fellow podcaster, says, I speak out for truth, love, and liberty. I love that one. Avery Jesper, another outset contributor, says, I speak out against the innocent or the slaughter, excuse me, the slaughter of innocent babies and the first one that we posted was josh deford one of our contributors and he says i speak out in favor of shaking up washington dc and for common sense conservatism so there is a way that you can join this campaign if you feel so inclined because we really like i said we we not only want to share with you who we are as a publication and as a team, but we want to hear from you and we want to know who you are and what you're not afraid to speak out against. Because in a world where young conservative uh, ideas are being shunned, we want to remove the stigma of being a young conservative. And we want to say, I mean, l let me just share this. The other day on Twitter, one of the trending hashtags was hashtag shout your abortion. I mean, think about that. People are going on social media and proudly declaring the fact that they have murdered children. And, you know, that is incredible to me how the left has no problem vocally saying what they are for. 
even if it's something like the slaughter of innocent children. And yet, as conservatives, we many times feel like we shouldn't say what we stand for. Sometimes we get embarrassed about what we stay, what we stand for. Sometimes uh, we're, we're just not, we're not proud to stand for life and liberty and smaller government. And, and, and we're afraid, I feel, that we're going to be looked at as the crazy right-wing Tea Party nut jobs when in actuality we are uh, the, the closest to our founders than anyone on the left will ever be. And so what I want to do is I want to remove that stigma of being a conservative because there shouldn't be one there. Because being a conservative, there's a reason that we're right wing. It's because we're right. And so I encourage you, if you are a part of our Outset community, if you listen to this show, if you read Outset magazine, if you, if, if, if you are in any way a fan of what we do, hell, even if you're not a fan, even if you hate us, I don't know. But as you know, if, if you're a young conservative, please, um, Go to our Tumblr, and I have to I have to figure out what our URL. Go to our Tumblr at um, at Outset Magazine O U T S E T Magazine dot com. Uh, the late one of the latest posts you will see is the post called Introducing Speak hashtag Speak Out, and in that post there is a link, and it says print out this sign, and you can actually. If you've been following us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, you've been seeing our contributors taking a picture with this sign that says speak out and has our, our URL at the bottom. You can print out this sign. If you go to outsetmagazine.tumblr.com, you can print out the sign um, that our contributors have been using. And then we encourage you to print out that sign, take a selfie with it. I mean, who doesn't love taking a selfie? Um, certainly not me, but you can, you can print that sign. You can take a selfie with it and then use the hashtag speak out and, 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 uh, tell us what you are not afraid to speak out about or against. Um, we've been having some incredible submission. God, I'm sorry. I, I really, there should be every time that I say the word incredible, I should, I should donate a money to, uh, I donate a money really, Stephen. I should donate money to some organization, but, um, We've been having some some really uh, great uh, submissions from people so far, and we can't wait to see what you submit. And so go to outsetmagazine.tumblr.com, print out the sign, take a picture with it, uh, hashtag it, hashtag speak out, and let us know what you're not afraid to speak out about or against. This is our new movement. This is our way to finally say that we're not afraid as young conservatives to talk about the ideas that we hold dear. There should be no stigma. There should be no stigma. We should be proud to stand for smaller government, individual liberty, personal responsibility, free markets. We should be proud to stand for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness because it is the right thing to stand for. So I highly encourage you to do that. Um, and uh, and 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 whenever you use that, whenever you use that hashtag we will actually retweet and repost your pictures. So um, you have the, the opportunity to, to, uh, to take advantage of that. All right, I, I want to talk about, since I've been this whole summer, I mean, it's been really weird this whole summer I've been doing these interviews, which have been great. And, and I, I really enjoyed them because they gave some great perspectives. Um, 
Uh, and and I'll tell you right off the bat, the two, if, if you're looking for the two that I, like if you want to go back and listen to the ones that I recommend, I recommend, and, and all of them are great, by the way, I, got, I have to say that, all of them were, were really, really great. But the ones I recommend, because they were different, the ones I recommend, go back and listen to the one with Jake Jardine, my friend up in Canada. You know, excuse him for being up in Canada, but go back and listen to that one uh, because he's an entrepreneur and it was a really interesting perspective to have. Um, Usually, you know, on this show, we talk about politics and culture and we're starting to move towards more towards culture. Uh, And and I I don't want to spend too much time on, on the pity politics. I want to talk about what's really happening and what is really influencing our culture nowadays. And one of the ways that we can influence culture is through entrepreneurship. And Jake Jardine gives some incredible, there's that word again, I can't say it now without without just catching myself and feeling bad. Jake gives some really great um, answers to my questions and he's a great person. The other episode you should listen to is Harrison Krasner uh, up in Detroit and how he um, is working in Detroit as a small business owner to revitalize that city uh, that has been just economically depressed in the past, what, 12, 15 years is, is really when that's been happening. Um, and, and so make sure to go and listen to those two episodes, Jake and Harrison. And I think you're really going to find something um, quite interesting because it's not about politics. It's it's it's. Um, it's you know it's it's about uh, it's it's about entrepreneurship and it's about world change, and I think you're really going to enjoy those. But um, I say all that to say that I I haven't been able to comment on really a lot of top stories that have been going on over the summer. And in my interviews, I, I've been talking with people about some of the current events, but there's really a lot uh, that's been going on that I haven't had a chance to comment on. Um, and I want to take this show, I, I guess, just to kind of throw some of these comments out there, throw some of these observations out there, because I, I, what we have seen this summer is an incredible shift in American politics. And it's it's a shift that both scares me, but also gives me a sense of renewed optimism. And I'll share with you why in a second. But But let me just talk about the biggest surprises to come out of this summer. On the Republican side, the biggest surprise is, is uh, without a doubt, Donald Trump. And on the Democrat side the, side, the biggest surprise has been the outpouring of support for Bernie Sanders. So let me start with Donald Trump. If you follow me on Twitter, or if, you, if you know me, you know that um, I, I, I am not a fan of Donald Trump, and and I've talked with Trump supporters. I've tried to understand why he is supposedly the best person, and I'm telling you guys, I'm just not there. Uh, my issue with Donald Trump is like many people's issues with Donald Trump. Uh, he's a celebrity, and that criticism only goes so far. Ronald Reagan uh, was a celebrity. In many ways, Dwight Eisenhower was a celebrity, although you know he didn't have a show, but I mean, being a, a military general, he was a celebrity in that right. There are um, there are things to be said about the celebrity status of Donald Trump, but this is what I'll say. Donald Trump has built his career around Donald Trump. He has um, outsourced um, the manufacturing of his goods to China. He has been a huge donor for Democrats and progressive liberals. 
And now somehow we find him the front runner, although his numbers are dropping, the front runner for the Republican nomination. And I got to tell you guys, I am um, this this has been incredibly frustrating for me. And it's not because I mean, listen, I I, I before this, I, I really had no strong feelings about Donald Trump. I, I liked his Celebrity Apprentice show. You know, um, I thought that was incredible. I have his cologne in my bedroom, um, so I wear his cologne. I think Donald Trump is, is a great business person, a great entertainer, and um, and 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 he should be he should be recognized as such. My issue is when he came over to become a Republican candidate. Is Donald Trump? Let me just say this: as an entertainer. And this could be said for all politicians, but as an entertainer, Donald Trump knows his audience and knows exactly what they want, knows exactly what makes them tick, and is able to deliver almost immediately what he needs to deliver to appease his audience. And so when you go back and you watch his original campaign announcement, this is a campaign announcement from an entertainer who does not, I do not believe that he believes, I would say half of this stuff, but but probably 99% of this stuff. And the way that I know he doesn't believe this is because as, as, as early as two years ago, as early as a year ago, he was saying things to the contrary of what he's saying now. Donald Trump... Uh, is a very smart man and, and he knows he knows how to exploit an opportunity. He's an opportunist. And he has been seeing the distrust that people have for uh, governors, for example, people who um, politicians who people see as in the establishment. I mean, can we just sit back and realize that Rick Perry and Scott Walker, two of the most experienced and battle tested Republicans, they are now out of the race. And a lot of people want to talk about, well, they just weren't getting the funding. Oh, they didn't have the support. The real reason is Donald Trump. The real reason is that Donald Trump is acting as a distraction from the nomination process. And we have very qualified people who are now not able to even get 1% And it's all because of Donald Trump. He is someone who does not care about the Republican Party. Hell, he doesn't care about the conservative movement. If I was, uh, if I was a conspiracy theorist, I would say that Donald Trump is is in this to help the Democrats. Because if Donald Trump becomes the nominee, I do not see a Republican victory happening. And in fact, if Donald Trump speak, if Donald Trump becomes the nominee, I hope to God that there is not a Republican victory. I have said this to to a, a few people. I haven't had a chance to say it on the show yet. But if it comes down to Donald Trump as the Republican nominee, I'm not I I'm not voting Republican. Because if you vote for Donald Trump, you're not voting Republican anyways. Donald Trump is the most moderate candidate in the running right now, and people are treating him like he is the next Ronald Reagan. 
He is someone who has used eminent domain to steal people's private property for his business development. He is someone who used to advocate for partial birth abortions. He is someone who who donated to and helped Hillary Clinton become elected to the United States Senate. And in his, you know, according to him, he only did it because he wanted her to go to his wedding. Donald, are you really not, are, are you, do people really hate you that much that they, that they have to be paid to go to your wedding? I hope that I have a wedding one day where I don't have to pay people to go to it. Donald Trump is someone who advocated for a Canadian style universal socialized healthcare system. And now that he's running for president, oh no, I think Obamacare is a disaster. The fact that Republicans are dumb enough. And, and, and you know, I, I really, I, I don't like, um, I, I don't like to stereotype a certain politician's followers because I, I understand that there's, there's a very complicated mix of people who support politicians. But I, I have to step out on a branch here and say that Donald Trump supporters are people who, just like Bernie supporters are, and I'll get to him in a second, Bernie supporters are people who don't understand economics. Donald Trump supporters are people who do not understand conservatism. Because if they did, they would be supporting an actual conservative candidate. But I get it. You know, his big appeal is is he's going he's gonna to finally build a wall and Mexico's going to pay for it. And I know people who like them because of that very single issue. And if you're one of those people, you know, fine. If, if you want to focus on one issue, when the Middle East is on fire, when our debt continues to rise, then go ahead. Focus on that one damn issue. And then there's the people who say, you know, if, have, have any of you ever actually read a Donald Trump quote when he's not saying it? He rambles like a lunatic who doesn't have a plan, and hmm, maybe it's because he doesn't have a plan. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna build a wall, and we're gonna have Mexico pay for it, and 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 they're gonna pay for it, and and there's gonna be a huge beautiful door, and and people can come through legally, you know, and then and then we're gonna start we're gonna stop losing to China, and we're gonna fix our trade deficit, and blah, you know, all of these things. He rambles like a lunatic. He's terrible for the party. Anyone who thinks that Donald Trump is a blessing to the Republican Party, oh, oh, the sweet, the sweet, sweet I told you says that we'll be able to say whatever the Republican Party loses. I will say this. In 2016, if the Republicans nominate someone like Donald Trump, someone like Jeb Bush, someone like Mike Huckabee, which, let's be honest, that's not going to happen. Someone like Rick Santorum, again, LOL. Someone like, uh, who else? Lindsey Graham? Is is he still in the race? Is George Pataki still in the race? I don't know. Chris Christie, are you still there? John Kasich, eh, doing moderately well. If people nominate someone like him or any other buffoon that's up there, then we deserve, as conservatives, we deserve exactly what is going to happen to us in the, in the general election. And that is going to be that we lose. Now, let's talk about the Democrat side. Bernie Sanders, uh, the king of, of, of 
of economic illiteracy is the front runner or is not the front runner, but is, is quickly becoming the front runner for the Democratic Party. Now, this is due in part because Hillary Clinton is, is such a terrible candidate, such a terrible human being, and overall just a disaster for the Democratic Party that her supporter or her former supporters are flocking to Bernie because they want to send the message to the DNC. This woman ain't cutting it. All right. She's not going to do it. So a lot of people are going over to Bernie because they hear, Oh my God, what free crap or Oh, Oh, he's going to give us free, free stuff. Oh my God. I love free stuff. Ah, free stuff. And they are seeing Bernie Sanders as someone who is finally going to realize the progressive dream in America. Free college, free health care, free poverty. That's right. He'll, he'll, that's right. He'll sink your family into poverty for free. This is a man who, you know, granted. Okay, he graduated college, which is more than Scott Walker could say. But for a college graduate, Bernie Sanders is a complete moron, to use a Donald Trump phrase. Bernie Sanders doesn't know economics. He doesn't understand that that raising the, the minimum wage is actually bad in the long run. But here's the thing. He's just like Donald Trump. He Bernie Sanders is tapping in to a liberal, um, a, 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 a liberal, a phase that the liberals are going through. And that is instant gratification. The liberals are tired, I think, of President Obama because they haven't seen the results that they wanted. They want their liberal policies carried out no matter how many people have to die. So what they want is, is they go over to Bernie and they say, oh my God, he's going to offer free health care? We're for it. Oh my God, free education? Yeah, let's do it. A free bumper sticker? Hell yeah, Bernie. Hashtag feel the burn. And, um, you know, they flock to this man as their progressive socialist savior. And that's not me calling him socialist. He calls himself a socialist. Finally, a candidate from the Democratic Party who admits that he's a socialist. God forbid we be truthful with the people. But this is ultimately what's going to happen. Bernie is shifting votes away from Hillary. Hillary is losing support by the day. Joe Biden is going on all these media rounds and, and, and on his appearance with Stephen Colbert, the whole interview, they talked about the death of his, the death of his son and, and the death of, of other family members. Guys, wake up and smell the Biden. Joe Biden's going to be the nominee for the Democratic Party. It's as simple as that. Hillary Clinton, in her attempt to react to her uh, uh, controversies, has played every single game plan in the book, has, has played everything that there is. She has responded to a crisis literally in the four ways that you are supposed to, as a politician, respond to a crisis. She's gone every, through every single one of them and none of them are working. Bernie Sanders, on the other hand, is getting all these supporters, but in the end, he's not electable. He's just not electable. He's not. Okay? I mean, even the liberals are usually stupid, but, but even they have to realize that Bernie Sanders is not electable. So who are you left with? Huh? Who are you left with? That's right. 
Uncle Joe to the rescue. Think about it. Joe Biden is is an incredibly experienced politician. That is not up for debate. He's been the vice president for the past eight years or you know, seven right now, but eight at the time of the election. And he's very relatable and he's very good at, at talking to people. And he is a middle ground. And in many ways, he's more aggressive than Barack Obama. Hell, he had more Senate experience than Barack Obama. That's for damn sure. So what is going to happen? And this is my prediction. Let's uh, let's make sure that we that we take note at which episode this is. But Joe Biden, once he officially enters the race, his numbers skyrocket. He gets Bernie supporters because he's not going to offer free education. And hell, the free health care is already in place, theoretically. So Biden becomes the nominee. And now our question is, who will run against Biden? This is something I haven't done yet. I, I, I may have talked, you know, at least on Twitter and stuff about my preferred candidates. I want to talk to you about who I think can best defeat Joe Biden in a campaign for president. Y'all ready for this? Uh, number one, not Donald Trump. Number two, not Jeb Bush. Number three, Marco Rubio. I think Marco Rubio would be a formidable opponent to Joe Biden. Marco Rubio uh, is, you know, I, I hate to look at this at purely a, an aesthetics point of view, but he's a, a young Cuban who is a Republican. Damn, imagine that. And Joe Biden, by the way, the, the, the thing I love about the, the idea of Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders becoming the nominee is it would be an old white dude becoming the nominee for the most diverse party in the country. Or whatever type of bullcrap they like to throw out there. So Mark, or Mark Cuban, come on. Marco Rubio. Yeah, Mark Cuban. Let's make him the nominee. Hell, he'd, he'd do much better than Donald Trump. Marco Rubio would be great. Carly Fiorina, I think, would be great. Imagine an old white guy battling against a, I don't know, how old is Carly Fiorina? It doesn't matter. She looks, she looks young enough. Battling against a Republican woman. You can't ask for a better debate, folks. And then, uh, let's see. I, I have, by the way, just to give you a visual, I have all the candidates' heads cut out of paper on my wall in the order that they're polling at right now because I'm not creepy at all. So I think Margot Rubio would be great. I think Carly Fiorina would be great. As much as I like Rand Paul, I, I honestly, I don't think this is the year of Rand Paul. As much as I would love for Rand Paul to be president, I have to be a realist and say that his campaign isn't going to last much longer. Uh, and he certainly would not be able to defeat Joe Biden. Rand Paul is just not a good debater. And Joe Biden, as we have learned, is a pretty good debater, especially with his debate tactic of just laughing at you the whole time. Remember when he did that with Paul Ryan? That was sweet. So the third person that I think who could defeat Joe Biden is, well, is Ted Cruz. And I have said before that Ted Cruz is starting to get on my nerves, 
right? Every time I listen to Ted Cruz, he becomes even more like a preacher. You know, he's always, uh, you know, and, and, and I get it. It's his speaking style, and he just has a, a Baptist minister style of speaking. It's annoying, Ted. Cut it out. But what I'm saying is that Ted Cruz is by far the most intellectual conservative I have seen in a long time. I mean, this is a smart guy. And if you want to talk about debate, Ted Cruz knows how to debate. Now, you wouldn't know that because CNN and Fox didn't give him much time, but he knows how to debate. And I think you're going to really see the Ted Cruz campaign take off. Uh, I, I met this past weekend with the person who runs the the, uh, the Texas um, Association of, of, I guess, students for, for Cruz. And they have an incredible organization going there, not only in the grassroots, but, uh, you know, Ted Cruz is someone who really excites a lot of people. And I used to say I used to say Rand Paul excites a lot of people. But he hasn't been recently. Especially young people. Rand Paul is, is just not as exciting as as, uh, as I've seen him before. And I think he's starting to realize it's over. And I think Ted Cruz is, is starting to see his opportunity. Oh, my God. If there was a, a Cruz-Paul ticket, though, I would. you wouldn't be able to stop the drooling. Let me tell you. You're welcome for that visual. So that's what I think is going to happen. Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. And then we have really three people who can take him on. And be formidable opponents for him, so that's what I that's what I think is is, is going to happen. Um, but I, but I want to bring out and and I'll just close with this article. I want to bring out a new article that was just published on Wednesday at OutsetMagazine.com from Caleb Franz, and uh, Caleb is is in line with me. He's a Rand Paul supporter. He's a libertarian conservative and uh, certainly a great part of our team at Outset. He wrote a um, an article that that I. I I, I, I read the, the headline and um, I didn't really know where he was going with it until I read all the way through. The title of his article is Dear Republicans, Stop Voting for Republicans. And it's, it's a little bit of a longer read. And I just want to give you kind of the gist of it. The gist of it is, as he says in, 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 one, of his, um, in one of his paragraphs, is this was a pull quote that we pulled because it was really good. He says, quote, history shows us that the difference between the Republican Party and the Democratic Party is non-existent. And I agree with him completely. Um, the Republican Party, as, as much as we claim to be um, conservatives and the Republican Party is supposed to be the party of conservatives, the Republican Party under people like John Kasich, under people like Jeb Bush, under people like Donald Trump, by the way is advocating for bigger government. And that, I mean, I, again, I'm not going to go back to my rant, but that's the thing that, that I don't understand about Donald Trump supporters. Oh, Donald Trump is such a great conservative. Yeah, until you understand that his plans will make the government bigger. But, you know, anyways, who the hell cares about specifics anymore, right? We're just about the persona. We don't give a damn about actual substance. So Caleb's article makes the, the argument that uh, Republicans need to send a very strong message. Republicans, conservatives who, who don't register with the party, need to spend, send a very strong message. That it, it is finally time to shrink the size and scope of the federal government. And he says, many candidates for president in the GOP field like to talk a big game, but when it comes to substance, they lack. 
It is not to say that you shouldn't vote for a good Republican candidate, one that believes in the Constitution and fiscal responsibility and limited government and is hated by the political class in D.C., but commit to the GOP regardless is dangerous, not just to the GOP, but to the nation. And I want to end on that because I really want us to think about that um, this, this upcoming week. As we prepare for more debates and as we go further into 2016, we need to be asking the message, do we want to win just to win? Or do we want to win because we want to fix the country? I would argue that the the number one priority, if you want to win on fixing the country, is to support a candidate who supports a limited government. It's something that is somehow being lost in the Republican Party, the idea that the government needs to shrink. And I don't understand how. It baffles me. It really does. But I think that we have an opportunity. There's still time, by the way. As as negative as I've been about Rand Paul, he's still the one that I, I probably, you know, he's probably my number one spot. As negative as I am about him or any other campaigns, we need to prop up the people who talk about obeying the Constitution, who talk about lowering um, the budget of the government, and who talk about restraining the size and scope of the government. Those are the people that we need to make frontrunners. We don't need Donald Trump as the frontrunner. We don't need Jeb Bush as the frontrunner. In many ways, we don't need Ben Carson as the frontrunner. Give you more thoughts on that in another episode, but we don't. We need principled and tested conservatives. And I realize that there's a movement that is against these people with experience. Oh, no, we don't want any. We don't want someone with experience because that makes a lot of damn sense. No, we just we want someone who who, we want someone who uh, is a glorified real estate agent. Because we all know your Remax agent would make a great president. Oh, real estate. So all I'm saying is in this next week, before you and I speak again on next week's episode, think about that. Do you want to win just to win? Or do you want to win because you believe in conservatism and you believe in saving the country? That's the question I want to leave you with. And that is where we'll end the show today. I want to thank you so much for joining us on this week's podcast. Um, Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, If you just look at Outset or if you look at the Stephen Perkins program, you can subscribe on there. Please rate and comment on the iTunes page. That helps iTunes know that we're a good show and they might feature us. So that would be wonderful. Um, In the meantime, follow Outset Magazine uh, at at Outset Magazine on on Twitter, um, at Outset Network on Instagram, Facebook.com slash Outset Network. Follow me on Twitter at Stephen underscore Perkins, Facebook.com forward slash Stephen Perkins, and on hell, Instagram, Stephen underscore Perkins. Go go over there. See what what photos of my my foods I'm posting. Just kidding. I don't post food photos. And if you do, please don't uh, expect to follow that. Until we speak again next week, friends, take care.